I do have one announcement. Next week, we will not be having a Christmas Eve service. Um, some years we have them, some years we don't. It's just like, hey, look, like, we're going to honor Jesus on Sunday morning, and then Sunday night, you guys can do whatever you want, right? If you want to go to a Christmas service somewhere else, God bless you. But during our Christmas service here, we will be having a Christmas brunch. So afterwards, we will be having some kind of food. You can sign up for the food at the welcome desk. So if you want to bring something, if you forget to bring something, that doesn't mean that you cannot participate. It just means you get to eat so, and help clean up. So if you don't bring food, you're going to help clean up. So um, nevertheless, next week, we're going to enjoy each other that way, fellowship, get to know one another. And one of the important things about church is this. Sometimes we think of church as the pick-me-up is worship and sometimes the message on Sunday morning. Some of us think of church as typically just Sunday morning, which it is. But I hope that we create a different perspective about church where Sunday morning is very important that the saints come together and we worship and we participate in honoring God together and growing together. But we have to begin to think about church as community throughout the week, right? So for me, being in a small group, it's really important because we have a group chat. If you're over 50, do you know what a group chat is? My dad thinks that a group chat is a chain mail. <laughs> chain mail or group chat. They're differences, dad. So... <laughs> So we have a group chat in our small group, and what's really just fun for me is to be able to poke fun throughout the week, make plans, but also just know that you have people there that um, sometimes you're allowed to share your dirty laundry with, because sometimes you just don't want to share with the whole church, hey, look, um, Joey's got this going on, blah, 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 right? I'm filtering, right? I'm lear eventually learning how to filter. So... Um, you know, it's really nice to have a small group, a community that then we can connect with throughout the week. So one of the things that um, potlucks or uh, brunches do for us is it allows us to sit down with people that we typically don't get to talk to throughout the week and enjoy them. And if all that we think of churches is Sunday morning receiving something, I think we're going to not grow as much as we can. So we need each other. We can't forsake fellowshipping, and we t can't tell the body that we don't need them. So next Sunday, um, you should know that you are invited and welcome to stay and grow and stretch yourself. Nevertheless, we're going to get into the sermon, so let's pray. God, we thank you for what you've already done this morning. I pray that this would carry into the rest of our week gratitude and um, trusting you and loving you. I pray that today's message, Father, would transform our lives, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts with fertile soil, minds to comprehend, and feet that want to run with obedience. Father, I mean every one of those statements. So may we expect that you're going to move. May we truly engage to hear your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Typically, I do not like doing Christmas series. Um, 
decided to do one this year. So this year, our series is our Christmas list, right? Reordering our priorities. What I want to say today is following God is inconvenient. Can I get a witness? Following God is inconvenient. I do wonder often in the West, has our perspective of what it means to follow God, to follow Jesus, has it been skewed? If we asked all of us in here today to write on your scrap piece of paper or send me a text, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What would our non-religious statements be? Jesus can easily be shifted from the center of our lives to the outer skirts. I suggest this because um, some people only keep him in association because if he wasn't somewhere on their list, um, they would feel like they couldn't benefit from him when they needed something. So sometimes we're so religious that Jesus is only on the list because if we get a flat tire or we get sick, we have to try to benefit from him. Yet even though Christmas is about Jesus, many believers rarely consider him during this season. This season is about him. But we get distracted, and what we end up doing is we want to give people stuff. Not only do we want to give people stuff, we want to receive stuff. And our focus can easily be skewed from making people happy or from something that should be biblical to just making people happy. Our Christmas list. Yet Christmas should be about refocusing our priorities. Refocusing on him. So we all must, must ask the question, during the season, what are my priorities? What are your priorities during this season? Now, what's unique is um, over the past several years, our church has, um, during Thanksgiving, I think it was right before COVID we did this, and then COVID, yeah, I think the year before uh, COVID, maybe 2019 we possibly started, or 18. During Thanksgiving, what we did is we said, hey, look, how do we help some families within this area with food? So several of us, we went door knocking and just asked some of the um, perceived lower income families here in Mechanicsburg, can we help you with a meal? And um, we knocked on their doors and we, I think that first year maybe over 350 meals that we were able to pass out here within this area. And then COVID happened and we said, how do we, how do we, how do we help now because we're not supposed to door knock. We're not supposed to this. So we made an ad on Facebook, and we sent it out because ads on Facebook are now the modern-day door knocking. So we sent an ad, and we got around 350 more meals this time. But what we ended up doing is we made a hot meal, and instead of inviting people here, what we did is we delivered it to them. And then I think we did that two years. And then last year, what we ended up doing is... Um, the same thing. No, last year what we ended up doing is we said, hey, 
we don't want to provide a hot meal for people this year because one of the things that's really fun is allowing people, like one of the things about Thanksgiving that's fun is preparing the meal, right? And like others of you are like, no, that's the worst part. And I'm like, I don't do anything. Macy does everything in the house. She cooks, she cleans, she does my laundry, she flushes the toilet for me. <laughs> she puts soap in my hands and washes my hands. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what we did last year is we said, I, th I, th I think that it'll be fun to allow people to enjoy cooking their meal. And um, so what we did is we asked the church, church to collect food. We collected food. And then after service, we put all these gift bags together, and then we delivered them. And it was really good. Now, this year, we didn't do anything. And there were some people who were disappointed. And one of the things that one of my mentors said is he said, Joey, I get tired of the 35th annual and he said, we should never assume that we just keep on doing things within church land. Each year is a new year with God. So this year, with Thanksgiving, it was, God, what do we do? And it was just the sense of, don't do it. So we didn't do it. Now, some people within the church were disappointed. And here was the heart of that. The heart was this, is as believers... Here's where I was frustrated this year with Thanksgiving was, as believers, we shouldn't wait for the holiday. We shouldn't wait for Thanksgiving. We shouldn't wait for Christmas. We shouldn't wait for Easter to then say, how can we do Christian things now? Amen. And it was, I just felt the conviction of God say, hey, it's not the church's job to plan every time that the church, to, the church members do something good. And what we want here at Mechanics for Christian Fellowship, and what our hope is, is for believers to constantly, every day, asking God, how do you want to use me? So the hope for Thanksgiving was this, is that church members, regular attenders, guests, whatever we call ourselves here, right? Because they're spending time with God, they would say, God, who do you want me to minister today to? How do, you, how do you want me to use my resources this week? And then when you see a need at work, when you see a need in the community, and you realize that maybe that need is bigger than your pocketbook or your credit card or your bank balance, then what you do is you go to your small group or you go to the church and you say, hey, um, small group, hey, church, there's 10 families at my work. There's 10 families at my work that need some food for Thanksgiving or they need food and it's the middle of September. Would you be willing to help me? Amen? In today's message, what the heart of what we want to get at is this, is God is always the priority. And we can't just think of God during the seasonal times, right? And see, right now, what, what the uniqueness is, is many of us say, how can we provide people food or a flashlight, right? The $5, let's buy a kid a flashlight so that a family feels happy or a Barbie doll, whatever, right? 
So we think of giving people gifts when in reality, what we should be thinking is every day, God, how do you want to use me? Amen? Amen. So maybe next year we plan a Thanksgiving meal. Maybe we provide Easter meals. I don't know. But as leadership, what we're not doing is saying just because we once did it, we're always going to do it. We are asking God every season through the series that, that we're teaching, through the outreaches that we're trying, God, do you want me to do this again? And each year at the elders retreat, what the elders um, ask me, Joey, how are you doing as a pastor? And then every year the question is, do you feel called? I'm just not assuming I'm going to be the pastor here at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship for the rest of my life. But each year as I seek God, I say, God, do you want me to be here again? Do, you, do, do I have the authority? Do I have the blessing to lead this congregation? So we have to think of priorities differently as people. So during this season, what are your priorities? Are your priorities to each day honor him? Or are your priorities thinking about just the gifts that you can give? Now, the reason why many or most don't follow Jesus is because it is inconvenient to their desired life. This can be said for both those who believe in Jesus and those who do not. So today we are going to look at the Christmas story again. And in this story, there are people who could see God's plan as an inconvenience or they could trust God's plan for a blessing. So I want to say this. Point number one would be a well-intended priority doesn't make it a godly priority. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph finds himself in an interesting situation. He's engaged to Mary, and engagement back then was different than what we think of it as now. During that time, engagement was more than just a yes, more than just an Instagram or Facebook moment, right? It was much deeper than a yes. It's said that they would first, they would have first to be in, um, to be engaged, they would have first needed to have a contract drawn up by parents or by a friend of the bridegroom. So you want to get married? Mark and Esther are not here today, so when they're not here, we pick on them. If they ever... If they ever want to get married, then they're going to have to come to a friend, which is me, and a contract is going to have to be drawn up. <laughs> so as Mark and Esther, you're listening to this a few days or weeks later, I'm working on it. So first, they would need a contract drawn up. Second, the two families would have had to have a meeting uh, with other witnesses, and the groom would have to give his future bride jewelry. 
he would follow this with declaring his intentions of uh, the following terms of the contract. Third, a price would be paid to the parents for the wife. Can you imagine having to pay the parents for the wife? So how valuable you think she is? One dollar. <laughs> That's it, huh? One author says this. This marriage contract was considered binding as soon as it was made. And the man and the woman were considered legally married even though the marriage ceremony and sexual intimacy often did not occur until as much as a year later. Should the man die to whom a woman was betrothed, in the eyes of the law, she was considered as a widow. The betrothed period served as a time of probation and testing of fidelity. During the period, the bride and the groom had little, if any, social contact with each other. Your family and community all knew about your plans to be officially married. So, this stuff did not happen. This was not what Macy and my um, engagement looked like. What Macy and my engagement looked like is one day I was just hanging out on Christmas Eve and Macy and I were giving each other presents and then she got down on one knee and she said, Joey, will you, will you be my husband? That did not happen either. It's like, Wow, we're really getting to know you this year, Joey. <laughs> so for Joseph and Mary, this news, because of their engagement, came with great repercussions to their reputation. Joseph's soon-to-be wife is pregnant, and guess what? Insert Maury. He is not the father. He is not the father. Now, practically speaking, there was not only one, there, practically speaking, there's only one way that this could happen. Mary is pregnant, practically speaking, and Joseph is not the father. So Mary, Joseph's soon-to-be wife, would have needed to partake intimately with someone else. And the someone else was, or the someone was obviously not Joseph. Now, Joseph interacts pretty interesting with this. Why? Because guys can figure everything out when they have some time in their thoughts. And that's what Joseph did. Joseph's conclusion was this. The child was not his. The law would have stated that a woman caught in adultery, adultery would be stoned to death. So Joseph's initial priority was to divorce Mary quietly. So Joseph feels almost forced into this situation, and his initial priority was to divorce Mary quietly. Now, this was to keep her from embarrassment, according to Scripture. But this um, just didn't protect her reputation. It would certainly have helped his reputation as well. So what ends up happening is Joseph had a well-intended very practical plan to navigate kindly through a situation that seemed to be very bad at first. I'm not sure I would have navigated 
through that way, right? How many things has God been doing in my life that I've been offended with and not navigated with this much grace? Either way, his priority was to navigate through this quietly and appropriately. And I'll say this again. Well-intended priorities don't make them God priorities. God priorities meaning his plan for a certain situation. Nevertheless, in our walk with Christ, we need to be slow to react and wait for God to bring the real answer. Slow to make decisions. Wait to hear from him. And one of my mentors once said, when you get confused in life, do the last clearest thing that you heard God say. He said, until you hear something differently, do the last clearest thing that you've heard God say. And that has really um, helped me out a lot, and I believe it's helped Macy out a lot, because there's some seasons where you just get so confused. God, what are you saying to me? What are you trying to say to me? And in this situation, um, Joseph finds himself, what's he to do? He felt the blessing of God to marry Mary, but now he finds himself in a situation where it appears as if he didn't hear God appropriately. So what does he do? Joseph begins probably to react with his emotions a little bit. He begins to make practical decisions in his life. But the question is this, is if I'm supposed to do the last clearest thing that God wants of me, how do I know what God wants of me? I don't know if God is speaking to me. And this is where I would say this. Um, let last week's message build on this week's message. See, last week what we talked about is how there were these magi that would have traveled seeking God from miles away, hundreds of miles away. So for us to know God more, what do we have to become? Seekers of him. Then there were also these shepherds who were dirty and gross, right? When God appeared, when the angels appeared, guess what? They dropped everything they were doing to go seek this future Messiah. So this week, our priorities are shifted because we become seekers of him. And we hear him more when we become seekers of him. So Joseph is in this commotion of thought processes. I'm going to divorce my wife. I'm going to leave her. The baby is not mine. But then God speaks to Joseph by an angel. And now Joseph will have a choice. Will Joseph be shaped by his priorities and his plans? Or will Joseph allow his priorities to be shaped by God? You realize Joseph had free will in this situation. Joseph was not a robot. So just as God spoke to Joseph through an angel, Joseph still had a decision he had to make. So the next point would be this, is our priorities must be shaped by God. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, after he had, so what did he consider? The divorce, the leaving, the doing what appears to be right. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So God speaks to Joseph through an angel in a dream. God tells him to not be afraid to take Mary as his wife because the child has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Strange. They are to name the child Jesus, and it will be a boy, and this child will save his people from their sins. And this is where it gets hard. Joseph wakes up. It's one thing to have a dream, right? And then you wake up, and then now how will you be obedient? So what does Joseph do? Again, since he has free will, he could have disobeyed. Yet he obeyed God, and he took Mary to be his wife. Then they waited to consummate their marriage until after Jesus was born. So one thing that we can learn from this is this, is our priorities must be shaped by God. Joseph had his plan. I'm going to divorce my wife quietly. God intervenes and God says, I don't want you to divorce your wife. This is what I want you to do. And here's what I want to tell you. God wants to speak to you each day about decisions that we are making. God wants to speak to us each day about decisions that we are making. God is intervening in our life. And what I'm becoming more um, prayerful about is it seems like the church is no longer hearing that knock. And I think that the church is no longer hearing that knock because they become dull to that knock. Have we become dull to the knock of God in our life where he's trying to intervene and change our priorities? When you see people in need and the conviction of the Holy Spirit used to come to you, you were just broken hearted. Now you no longer get broken hearted. Now you no longer are looking to encourage people. Reading the Bible, you might as well not even be doing it because you're just ignoring the knock. You are numb to the knock. Our priorities must be shaped by him, but we also can't be numb. Nevertheless, um, when God calls us to follow him, it doesn't always make sense. You will be misunderstood. People will choose to see the side of the story that they want. And that's what often makes us afraid of serving him. I'll make it plain. If your number one priority is to be accepted and liked by the world, you will miss out on what God has for your life. So many of us are afraid of people's reactions and the side of the story that they will see that we play life safe. See, for Joseph staying with Mary, it would have been really embarrassing, right? Because here's how it would have been embarrassing. 
either they broke a covenant and they had a child out of wedlock or she had a child with someone else before their marriage. That's what would happen, gossip. Oh, Mary, that, you know, she just marries. And if Joseph was a real man and treated her nice, she never would have had to. All this gossiping and talking, that's what keeps us from serving him. We're afraid of people. We're afraid of what someone somewhere else might say. Amen? No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't live that way. But this is the pressure that Joseph and Mary would have been facing. There would have been immense pressure on Joseph and Mary. But instead of succumbing to the pressure, Joseph's priority was to obey God. This meant that he would trust God with whatever backlash came his way. Is your priority to obey God today? Because I think we can say the Christian thing. Yes, it is. The Christian thing is to, of course, say, I want to obey God. But what about this? What about, like, what does our heart say? What do my actions say? What does my life say? When situations get tough, when people are talking, do I still obey him? Is his priority still my priority? So is your priority to obey God? But the question has to be this, is why is obedience important anyways? If there's grace and mercy, why is obedience important? So we're gonna look at that just for a minute. Obedience is important because obedience brings blessings. Luke eleven twenty eight. He replied, blessed, or if you're feeling really good, blessed. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now actually right before this, I'm not sure why I didn't put this in there. Right before this, it says Mary was blessed because she was the mother of Christ Jesus. Right? So Mary was blessed, but what it tells us here is more blessed or Rather, are those who listen and obey God. So, I do not believe in um, putting Mary up here above anyone in civilization, right? I do not believe that. I think Mary was a woman, just like I'm a man or you're a woman. And she was someone that God found favor on. And because she, he found favor, he used her. And God finds favor on many common folk today too, right? So what ends up happening is Mary was blessed. There was this blessing that came to her because God used her. But we have the opportunity to be more blessed than Mary if we do what? Right here. Who hear the word of God and obey it. You and I can be more blessed than Mary. So what should we, should we do? We should listen and obey God. Psalm 128.1 says this, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. 
Blessed are all who fear him and walk in obedience to him. So obedience is important because a blessing comes. How many of you guys want a blessing? I want a blessing. Obeying is how we show our love to God. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. Obey me. 1 John 5, 2. This is how we know that we love, that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. By loving God and carrying out his commands, by loving God and obeying him. This is how we show our love to him. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. And this is convicting here, right? Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obey his word, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You're like, Joey, which one is he? We had the grace series, and then now you're telling me that we have to keep his commands. I think what we do is we offer Jesus everything that we have. We know when we do that and when we do not. We know that we have come to know him if we, can meet, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. That is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I'm not telling us to go beat ourselves up today. But I am saying at the core of our being, the priority that we have in our life should be to obey him. Um, one of the uniquenesses is it seems like the older we get as believers is the further away we talk about where we've seen God move. So, you know, some older people that I talk to, you know, they'll say, I remember in the 70s. I remember in the 80s. I remember in the 90s. And then I even think of my own life. Well, I remember in the 90s. I remember in the early 2000s, right? And the only thing we can talk about is his love from 30 years ago, his power from 20 years ago. And I, I think why um, the closest story that we have about encountering his presence or seeing, his seeing him move is because we've quit being obedient the older we get. There's this obedience that we've fallen from because earlier in our salvation, there was this excitement, there was this purity, we wanted to do it. And then the older we get in our faith, it's just like, I know how to do it. I've been doing it. Um, I'm comparing myself to the world now, so since I'm comparing myself to the world now, I'm way better than them. And it's almost as if, like, sometimes the more we learn, the um, more 
like a Pharisee we become. My desire for myself and for Macy and for you guys is that we don't have to look to 10 years ago or five years ago. God is a creator, right? In the beginning of time, what did he do? He created. And to think that God only desired to create an encounter with you 30 years ago and not this week is a lie. God wants you to experience his presence. He wants you to hear from his voice today. And sometimes to, to experience him, it means that we have to be obedient to him. And some of the ways that I began to know that I was hearing God's voice was when I was obedient. How do you know that God's speaking to you if you don't take a risk to do the thing that has come to your mind? Right? So when God says, hey, go tell this person that um, he sees them and he knows them and he loves them, and then you're at Meyer or Walmart or wherever, and you go up to this person and you say, hey, this is really weird. I'm a Christian. God sees you. He loves you. And everything's going to be okay. And they begin to cry, and then they say, I was just praying because I was lonely and hurting, and I was crying out to God that if he was real, that he would have someone come talk to me today. When we obey him, we get to know his voice. But also, obeying is how we show our love to him. Amen? Obedience is better than sacrifice. 1 Samuel 15, 22, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. To obey is better than sacrifice. God wants to wake up a generation of people who have been offering burnt offerings and playing church. That sounds really hard. That's what God wants to do in America, in Mechanicsburg, in Miami Valley, is we've played church for a while. I don't want to play church anymore. And what he wants is obedience. More than just serving at the church. See, because some people serve at the church out of, out of obedience and other people serve at the church out of burnt offerings. Some people give out of love for God and sacrifice to God and obedience to God. Other people give out of burnt sacrifices. Some people, I say today, are here today. I've been preaching on Sunday morning sometimes out of a burnt offering more than obedience. We can all be there. But we have to obey him. Obedience allows us to share in his suffering. Hebrews 5, 8 and 9. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. For all those who obey him. So what we see here is this. Joseph had a dream. Prior to the dream, what he was going to do was divorce his wife quietly. Yet, God showed up and God intervened. So now, after this dream, Joseph had a choice. 
to follow his initial priority or to obey God. In the end, the priority that God placed on Joseph was more important than any of Joseph's priorities. Joseph was willing to prioritize God even when it seemed inconvenient. Yet what we must learn is this, is the closer we get to God, the more we prioritize him. And the more we prioritize him, the less his commands are burdensome. He's not a burdensome God. 1 John 5, 3 and 4. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are what? Not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And his commands are not burdensome. How many times do we face a situation where God has given us a priority? We have our priority and then we have his priority. And then what we say is, I prefer my priority because my priority is going to make my life easier and I'm not going to carry this burden. Knowing that as we compare them, <laughs> you're going to get me in the Christmas dance. I'm a little, I'm a little Christmas tree. That was like a dance I did back in um, elementary school. Either way, God, we have our priority and we say, we need to do our priorities because when I get my priorities done, then this weight of life, this mental stuff that has cluttered my mind, once I get my priority done, then the burdens of life will go away. Anyone ever been there? You have this list of things in life that have busied you so much that you say, my priority today is to get this stuff done because when I get it done, then I'll have time for God. But what scripture tells us is God is not burdensome. The things that he asks us to obey him in actually set us free. Why? Because, and his commands are not burdensome. The reason why God can be less of, of a priority in our life is because we are still following the ways of the world. We still have desires that come from ourselves. But those who are born of him those who are born again, those who put their life in his hands, these people overcome the world. Their priorities become his priorities. So during this Christmas season, may the story of Joseph challenge us to our core. Joseph was a person who could have chose his ways or to honor God. And now, I'm sure, for the rest of his life, someone in his life was accusing him of being some dude that was unwilling to divorce his wife because he felt like he couldn't be with anyone else. I'm sure there were accusations to him the rest of his life and their whole marriage about how it's not his kid. And I'm sure that there's accusations in your life about the decisions that you've made for Christ as well.
but we can't be afraid of that. So the reason why, yeah, God can be less of a priority in our life is because we are still following the world. We still have the desire. We still have desires that come from ourselves. So may we be like Joseph. May the obedience of Joseph and Mary create in us an excitement to prioritize God even when it's inconvenient. Because obedience will be inconvenient. So during this season, is our priority to honor God or is our priority to give gifts? Where is your focus today? When you woke up today, did you say, man, I have to go get this grandkid and that niece and that nephew and my spouse a gift? You know, for guys, we usually don't have any of the gifts until Christmas Eve. Not because we're lazy, but because the best gift ever has to have time to just come to us. You know it when you see it. You know it when you see it. So guys, I know you're not there yet. That's okay. Women who've been buying Christmas gifts since before last Christmas, I promise you, women have been saying, I'm going to buy this on sale, but I'm not going to give it this Christmas. I'm giving it in Christmas of 24, <laughs> right? And it's still underneath something in the closet. So women, you've been ready. But during this season, are you thinking about Christmas Day as gifts and kids and family which those things within themselves are not bad. I'm not saying that that is bad. Or are you thinking about Christmas in the season as, God, I'm thankful for your son. I want to honor him. I want to prioritize him. I want to obey him through all of this, through the gifts, through the uh, fun, through the whatever, celebrations. Let's pray. Father, um, there was a lie that says following you is inconvenient. And I just know that sometimes it can be so easy to focus on my priorities, on our priorities. I pray that you would lead us to the cross today where we just lay our priorities down Father, we know that you've forgiven us. But as scripture points to, confess to God to be forgiven and confess to man to be healed. So Father, I pray today that we would just confess to man that I haven't prioritized you well. And if there's just anyone, you know, sometimes groupthink is really easy. You ask for one and then everyone stands up together. I don't want group thinking here today. I want um, just honest hearts. And just by a raise of hands, is there anyone in here who just needs to confess to man? Confess to man by raising of, of their hand, just saying, I have not prioritized God well during this season. I see hands raised, amen. I see hands raised, yes. Father, 
as we raised our hands. As we raised our hands, Father, may the healing that Scripture talks about come. You, you have forgiven us. And as they've confessed to man, Father, may healing come. May we prioritize you. Forgive us. Help us be transformed by the renewing of our mind today. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please sign up for the Christmas brunch and see you guys next Sunday.